Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hey, welcome back. It's hour number two of Fantasy Sports today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia as we recap everything happening in fantasy and reality. We're going to get to some more baseball discussion as well, but really something that kind of hit home for me, Joe, yesterday. It was reported late that uh, some of the media at this point are going to be somewhat questionable to actually cover sports in 2020, specifically the NBA. There was a report yesterday that the league essentially uh, is going to require the media members to be quarantined as well during the time that the NBA would in Orlando. So there's going to have to be some really tough decisions you think that there are for the players. Media members like me, who in general are probably a little bit older for the players and potentially have a family, would have to make that kind of decision. And uh, I got to tell you, that's not one that would come lightly for me. Yeah, well, I mean, you're the best person to answer this kind of question. Is this this kind of thing that... Let's say you're, you know, uh, on the court, uh, you know, interviewee or you're somebody who's down there in the front lines usually doing this sort of thing. Would you wear a mask? Would you even participate at all? Or would you just want to take yourself out of that? And if so, is there some hungry other person coming up who's willing to put themselves into a situation like that that might not be uh, exactly ideal, but they don't have some of the concerns you have where you have a family, you have kids at home or something like that? So it is very dicey. I mean, what would you do just in a hypothetical even? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's. I'm very fortunate to be in the position that I'm in that for a sports grid, essentially, uh, the show is mandatory, but how I cover sports is voluntary. Mm-hmm. So we could start there. <laughs> now, secondly, for my podcast, I mean, simply put, uh, like like your black book, this is that's like my entity. So I mm-hmm. kind of decide as to what I do, when I do it, and how I do it. Um, I could tell you that I've already spoken to my wife about covering them for a period of time, but I don't believe that I would um, uh, be away from my family for three months. No, I, I would I would not do it. So uh, not for media purposes, I would not. So I mean, I, my my thought process was was that if there was so if I had to be involved in it, I would go for the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I probably would go for a week or two. I, I think that I would do that. And I would do my shows from wherever I'm at, quarantined or whatever, covering baseball. I think it would be important at the start of it. But uh, no, I mean, months? No, no. No, I... I, 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 I and, and there, I mean, listen, in a normal situation, it is completely different. And I get what you're saying. Like, if I was working... Uh, for a network that covered the Marlins, or if I was right. working for a newspaper or website that covered a team and I was paid and that came up, well, we'll just send this guy instead. Yeah, I mean, that would be a different dilemma for me and I think every media member out there. But I'm fortunate to be in a position where I kind of call the shots a little bit more. So um, maybe it would be me for my for my website and for my podcast. Maybe it would be me for two weeks and then I would send somebody else for the rest or something like that. Maybe even three weeks I would do. But, but Joe, I would not be away from my family at any period of time unless it was absolutely mandatory for two months. Look, if Sports Grid said, hey, look, we're doing a quarantine bubble and you lose your job and you lose your ability to be, they would never do it, but you lose your ability to be on the air if you don't do this. I mean, that would be a different conversation that I would have to have. Uh, but I am fortunate in the sense that once you kind of gain independence in media, which is the way that I've I've sort of chosen to do this over the last few years, as you have, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that you can you know make your own decisions. And so I think that for my my subscribers to my podcast and for the readers of the website, I think at the beginning it'd be important. And I think for spring training it would be important to know, and for fantasy it would be important to know. But you know, if they get to the World Series without me, they're just going to have to play it without me. You know, that's that's all there is to it. So. Well, and the announcers, too. I mean, that's a very difficult thing, too, because, I mean, our, I imagine there's some announcers that might be in precarious situations physically or maybe age wise. We've seen some, you know, that be a, a, certainly a key demographic here when we're going through this covid epidemic where, I mean, you could call games remotely. I mean, that is possible in the technological age we live in. But is that something that. 
I don't know, teams and networks are going to allow to happen. Or is it, I mean, I, this is not the case, but let's just hypothetically, you know, Vince Scully's not calling games anymore, but you're not going to roll, you know, 80 something year old Vince Scully out there into quarantine so we can call a Dodger game, but you don't want to lose the voice of the Dodgers. Again, I'm using him as a hypothetical. It wouldn't come up now, obviously, for him particularly, but I'm just thinking about other announcers and other situations like yeah. that, whether it be on the radio or the TV side. Yeah, and, uh, and Brett passes along the note that uh, Kevin Harlan's doing the games from the TNT studios. Uh, mm -hmm. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that most of the baseball broadcasters are going to be doing the games, hypothetically, uh, from their home park but will not travel on the road and then we'll do it from their studio, their Fox right. studio or SNY studio or any, you know, in SN, wh sure, wherever sure. they are, they would do it from there. So the travel would be cut out. It would basically be dry. And I, and I think that that can all be accomplished and it could be fine. Um, but if you're a beat writer, Joe, and it, it is going to be pretty exclusive, like you think of it on the other side of it now, it's like in the history of covering sports as somebody who covers a team, and we'll use the NBA as an example. Pick any team. Let's use the Sixers. And you cover the Philadelphia 76ers. This is never going to happen. I mean, hopefully, it's never going to happen ever again, where you're essentially being granted exclusive access, you and maybe three or four other people, to be covering something that nobody else can and be around the team when nobody else can. And I think that... Um, that, that I mean, look, there, there's someone's going to write a book about it. You know, you and I both know, like somebody's going to write a book about this kind of a season or this kind of thing. And it's going to be a very interesting read. And for a young person who's trying to make it, um, you know, I still feel young and act young and look sort of young. But uh, there are there are kids out there who were in their 20s and I am not uh, who are covering sports and can use this as a launching pad for their career if they do a really good job. Because make no mistake about it, the microscope is going to be. Uh, more on the uh, media than it ever has been because this is the only source of information that you're going to have for months, for months. Yeah. What's going on at the hotel? What's going on at the arena? I mean, people are starving right now for information. That's why my take on this whole thing is I think it's really important at the beginning because at the beginning, we're all craving it. We all want it. We all want to see it. And I think that everyone will clamor toward it. But as things get normal, and then baseball, boop, pops back in. NBA, boop, pop. And then here's hockey. And here, there'll be some other distractions. I don't know that the focus will be as much as it will be in six weeks as it is in the first two weeks. At least that's, you know, sort of my thinking behind it. But my short answer is, is that if, if I'm fortunate enough to cover the team and the only way is that I could be quarantined somewhere in Miami, maybe near Marlins Park, I will do it for a couple weeks. But I will not do it for two months. That is, that is not going to happen. So... No, and uh, and I honestly, I, I kind of agree. I think your statement is is reasonable, uh, and you are in a very unique position being an independent person uh, in this <laughs> universe that we're both in. And to me, that makes a lot of sense, too. As somebody who's got two kids also, I think that's something you have to think about. It's like, all right, well, you know, I'm in this scenario, and you're not making millions of dollars the way some other people are guaranteed. <laughs> so that's the other thing to keep in mind here. Yeah, I mean, the uh, broadcasters are definitely in a different spot. It's a very different spot. You yeah. know, the... the and, and, no, and, and imagine thing. this, and, and think about this. I mean, the, the like take take my situation completely away from it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm on here every day doing two hour shows. What about think about this? The te the television and radio play by play people for the local and regional networks for all of the sports. Guess what they're getting paid right now? Nothing, man. Right. Like they're, they're not getting paid. There's no games. This is not like you're a team employee and oh, you're furloughed or oh, you took a pay cut. You're the you're the and I know the play-by-play -play guy, Dan McLaughlin for the St. Louis Cardinals and who works for Fox Sports Midwest and has been doing it for a decade. He's not getting paid anything right now. Nothing. Mm -hmm. yeah, and so well, and he's that's got why we need to get he's back. got four kids. What what is he what what are they going to do? They're going to come to him and say it's a 60 game season. He's going to call he's going to got to call the games. I mean, he's got to do the what game. they ask. I mean, this is a salary. This is what he does. And everybody is in a different situation. And that's why it just comes down to what your what your primary is. And and and, and look, for us, it's the show. And for you individually, it's the Black Book. And, you know, if somebody said to you, hey, look, the only way the Black Book goes on Amazon this year is if you, you know, leave your kids for two months and sit in a room somewhere, it's going to be a really tough decision for you, I'm sure. <laughs> just like true. it would be for me with this. Uh, so, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Well, yeah. I also think the, you know, speaking of tough decisions too, I mean, 
talking about you know the the comments that Manfred made about oh we're gonna have a season don't worry basically saying I'll impose a 50 game season if I have to I thought about that and I said wow that's a it's a fascinating little thing there is like can he really impose it will they actually go play if he does do that what will that do in the ripple effects like I, when I heard that statement yesterday I I don't know I was kind of it just kind of sent me a flutter like I didn't know how to interpret it or what to take away from it and there were just so many thoughts that came around what was your thought and your instinctual baseball sense tingling when you heard those comments that he said oh we're gonna have a season 100% a season even if it has to be the season that I impose that doesn't usually go over well with the MLPPA that word impose. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate the fact that this has played out so publicly, but there's really no choice at this point. Uh, and and as, essentially, it seems like that was a message <laughs> being sent to either accept or, or I'm going to impose it. Uh, I get the sense the players would not play if, if it was a 48 or a 50 game schedule. I don't think it will come down to that, as I've stated. Um, been wrong on every timeline so far, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 as but as I've stated, I believe there will be a season. I believe he is right. I believe you, you can't. I mean, I guess you can because it happened. You know, it's sports and you and you don't know and it's life. But I would tell you this: one hundred percent of the people that cover the game, that are in the game and that are around the game, believe there's going to be a season. So are all of these people going to be wrong? Like even on the player side and the union, like and and the owner side, they all believe it. And, and they're all going to be wrong? I, I, well, I, but that tells I, you everything you need to know about this leverage situation. And everything you need to know is that if everybody believes that's going to be the case, at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, they're going to take whatever's out there because they have to, because it can be imposed necessarily. And then once it's imposed and you don't go back to work, that is a very difficult thing for everybody else to well, do. Well, the players with. don't have to play. They don't, they they don't have don't. to play at all. Well, right? so, they don't. And I, and I don't think that they would. And that's and and that is, again, just where do we go from there? And that's that's all I could think about yesterday when I heard those words is I impose a season. We say, no, we're not playing. Where does baseball go from there? And that is that's the sixty four billion dollar question, I guess, when all is said and done. And uh, I hope it doesn't come from that because you just mentioned all these people who aren't working because baseball's not working. And that is very difficult for everyone to digest and take in. And you see the progress of other places, at least with plans, like at least put a plan out there that we can go to. And and after all this, after two months, if they end up playing 81 games or 78 games or something ridiculous like that, all I'll ask is, what was it all for? Like, what was the point of all this? But it seems like the owners continue to have all the leverage here. Yeah, I, I don't see how the players have any leverage at all. I agree. No, they uh, None. And in the end, um, you know, if they if they didn't play, both sides would be at fault, but because people don't understand really how things work, it would be viewed as the players not wanting to play. I mean, right. the owners would be like, here's the season, it's 50 games, do it. No, okay, that's it. Well, the owners, oh, we, we offered them 50 games. You know, it's just unfortunate. But, all right, so uh, we'll move on to more fun topics. Matt Sells joins us coming up very soon, as well as Gray Albright, NASCAR, baseball, also some football too, don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia here with you on this Friday. Hopefully you guys have a great weekend. I know that we will be here uh, back on Saturday and Sunday for a weekend edition of the show. All the great interviews that we had all week long. John Sheeran, if you case you missed him from FanDuel, we'll replay that for you. Uh, Gray Albright will be with us this weekend as well. Uh, perhaps some of Adam Ronis's discussion in the NBA. Uh, we kind of highlight some of the things that we do here during the week on the weekend. And then, of course, we update you on any stories that are happening in the world of fantasy sports. Uh, fantasy football is now a couple of months away, and you know some people are you know certainly getting into it now for sure. And uh, look, the Dalvin Cook news was was I think probably the big story of the week, where he essentially said that uh, he doesn't plan on playing without getting an extension, and some money is going back and forth. And you know actually what you know some of the money being reported didn't seem all that unreasonable with Cook. I think he has more of an understanding 
as to what running backs are or should getting paid. But uh, what else moved the needle for you this week, Joe? Well, look, starting off with Dalvin Cook, just since you started there, you know, we had more time to kind of think about this and learn about the situation. And everybody saw the situation coming. And a lot of people already asked me, you know, is it going to be a black book update on Dalvin Cook? And I said, let's just wait this out a little bit here for a couple of weeks in June and see what happens. Because if the deal is somewhere on the $13 million range, that makes a lot of sense. And that seems like everybody can get on board with that. And I, I got to be honest, we talked just in the last segment about leverage. And Dalvin Cook is in a difficult spot because he's incredibly talented, but at the same time, he's missed an enormous amount of games so far in his career. You know, And that is something that when you look at a team that has cap issues or restraints at the very least, you look at the fact they have a very capable running back in Madison who had 100 carries last year. That's not a few amount of carries. 100 carries is a fair amount. So you got to feel pretty good about his durability at least. And you got to feel pretty good about uh, the fact that he had four and a half yards per carry on those carries. So I think you're looking at this and Dalvin Cook and his agents have got to kind of understand where they are. Cook is absolutely right to hold out. This is a problem with the way the NFL is structured right now in terms of the running backs and money and things like that. And this is just the world we're living in where we come in that last year of that rookie deal and all these running backs who are anything worth their salt are going to hold out, right? And and I think you have the same thing playing out here with Cook. I'm starting to feel optimistic from these first couple of days of listening to what's going back and forth here between these two sides that it feels like there's some um, realism going on. And oftentimes that is not the case. So before people panic, I've already gotten people sending me trays that they've been offered for Dalvin Cook. People are out there already in keeper leagues and dynasty leagues trying to either trade or acquire. Just wait a little bit. Let's see how this plays out. And I just want to you know, preach a little bit of caution and patience in this scenario. Because, Craig, at the end of the day, I do think that it behooves both these groups to get this deal done. I do think their best chance, and the Vikings have a legitimate chance in the NFC this year to be competitive and to be a playoff team. We all know that. The best chance is with Dalvin Cook. Everybody realizes that, but Dalvin Cook also does not have as much leverage as some other backs like Christian McCaffrey over the last couple of years and the numbers he's put up. So I think the realism is starting to creep in here. Yeah, and, and obviously if he says okay to $13 million, that's not even close to what the Vikings are offering. So we'll we'll have to you know see something. I mean, it, that seems reasonable to us, but very clearly at this point they're offering a lot less, maybe five, six. Who even knows what that number is if he's willing to take 13 uh, what else moved the needle for you in the NFL this week? It was a little bit more of a quiet week. Uh, it was, but there's some little things and tidbits to take, and uh, you can see how it's starting to shape some fantasy drafts. And uh, one of them is Hayden Hurst, who Matt Ryan was already talking about, and this was his quote out there was, he is the fastest and most athletic tight end that I've ever played with. Okay, well, that's kind of good because last year Austin Hooper had almost 800 yards receiving and a half a dozen touchdowns, and all of a sudden Hayden Hurst is one of these guys that's starting to get talked about a lot in fantasy circles. The danger with this is sometimes a guy who goes from being a quote-unquote sleeper, which doesn't exist, or just an undervalued player, all of a sudden starts to get too trendy, too overhyped. The next thing you know, he goes a couple rounds earlier than he should. And Hayden Hurst had some moments last year with the Baltimore Ravens. There's no doubt about that. But Mark Andrews was clearly the guy at tight end there. So even though Hurst had some moments there, he's still very young. He's still just 26 years old. And... Look, he spent two years with the Ravens. Now he's going to have an opportunity to have that starting job. Hooper's gone. There's certainly a lot of passing going on in this Falcons offense. There's a lot of reasons to be, uh, I think, optimistic about Hayden Hurst. But I also want to tell everybody here, let's not overrate him either. Because Calvin Ridley, I think, is on the precipice of becoming a wide receiver one in fantasy. Julio is already all-world top three overall. And look, we'll see what's left of Todd Gurley. But I think Hayden Hurst is at least a guy in your regular casual leagues that you play in. You should be aware of if you start to miss out on that run of tight ends and you don't want to pay for the elite guys. Yeah, I, I think that the tight end situation has kind of been shaken up a little bit with guys switching places. And for whatever reason, Atlanta does seem to be a pretty solid place for tight ends over the last decade. So it uh, wouldn't surprise me to see Hurst being more involved in the game plan simply because... I don't trust the running game at all in Atlanta. And I we know you that, don't. And I think that, that, that Ryan's going to be throwing the ball quite a bit this year. So Yeah. Uh, also, speaking of guys getting together, uh, Sam Darnold organizing some workouts on his own. I think that's very good. I think that's oh, very great. necessary. Well, I mean, look, you know, I've been, I'm trying to be positive here. I'd give some positive jet news. Everybody knows I've, I've taken my fair shots, but I'm going to give some positive there. Cause I think this is an offense that needs to get together and work because uh, look, Frank Gore is new to this offense with uh, him. Uh, he can learn a lot from Frank Gore about the NFL, that's for sure. Uh, Brashad Perryman's new to this team. 
Uh, Crowder's only one year in with the Jets in the system. Mims is a rookie. So uh, getting all these guys together and all these guys, including Chris Herndon, have all gotten together for workouts starting uh, this past Thursday. That's that's important. Like that's something like, OK, like we know where Donald's at. And it's nice to see some of these guys taking the initiative. And I think that's important. We're always looking for signs and signals of maturity in some of these young players, especially in franchise quarterbacks. And some guys never get there. This is a big deal under these circumstances, and I think it's very important for Darnold, who missed time on the field last year, to be working in with these guys. Now, I don't know what's going to happen when they get to Adam Gase. I have no control over that, but I think this is at least a positive sign for the Jets' offense, that at least they're trying to get some OTAs in there when there weren't any OTAs. Okay. <laughs> you got nothing for the Jets. You got the end up. I got all right. Uh, all right. I'll keep going on. Let's talk about Miles Sanders because this is another. Now, listen, hot you've, been do- you've been doing the show with me for uh, I know. back, back I know. here for two months and over a year before. It's June. We're doing football. That, it's it been is, a long that, that, couple that, months. That, that, of all, that, that's the first thing so far. I know, that has, but we've that, done one football segment every day. Today we did zero football. I know. It's, it's just it's we the don't. It, there really isn't going on. And so we're forcing no, it. No, but look, okay. these we're, we're, we're not forcing it. We are just staying on top of things. It's Friday. I, I hate to get too wrapped up in these. I know you don't. Well, I you mean, have to get Especially this Miles Sanders one. We got to skip over this one. Put your feet. Well, here's the only thing. We keep waiting for more people to sign there. Like, is Freeman going to go there? Well, it wasn't oh, Carlos Hyde. He ended up there. It doesn't even matter. It's going to be another guy. And, and well, let's it's, say. What about that, guy, that little guy? What, 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 what about that little guy? You mean Darren Sproles? He's not there. No, Boston Scott? The other one. Yes, that guy. Is he still there? He's still there. Oh, that guy's gonna score ten touchdowns. <laughs> I get you. I can't even with you right now. They're, I, they're gonna go 50-50 with him and Sanders. You cannot trust they this are guy. Not they last to year go they 50-50. said Sanders was the most talented guy on the field. He's gonna get the most carries, and it's not even gonna be close. But he was still have- a rookie. But he was still a rookie. And that, that was was rookie. Don't believe the writers. Do not believe the writers. They don't care about fantasy. They don't. We care about fantasy. If they had me out there, I would tell you the truth. They don't care. They're just, oh, they're just. Can you add that to your Twitter handle, Craig Mish Truth Teller? I'd really enjoy that. I would, I would like, I would like, I'll tell you what, we should have a Miles Sanders bet. And if, and whoever, if you're. No, I'm not going to bet that. (laughs) Because it's possible. This guy's very talented. He's very talented. And I, and I think here's what we're trying to work against. We're working against the track record of Doug Peterson with his running backs. And that is completely valid. But at a certain point, we also have to look at it and go, okay. Well, has he had anybody as good as Miles Sanders? And the answer is no. Is Miles Boston Sanders a rookie any, anymore? No. Boston Scott's still there. Boston Scott's going to get a series or a two. A lot of carries. That's a fine. I don't know if carries. he's going to get a lot. Of, define a lot of carries. He's going to get 100, 100. carries? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So 100 carries. That still leaves about 200 for Miles Sanders. And I don't think we want to push him to that 250 range. I don't know if that's what we want to do. It seems like 58. Sanders will get his 1,100 yards and his seven touchdowns, and we'll be crying at the end of the year that he could have gotten more. We'll be upset that Scott vultures every goal line touchdown. <laughs> you know that this is coming. You've All right, this, this. let's move on to the next thing, though. I can't, I can't get Craig happy about anything. Let's see if I can get him happy about this. Jerry Judy and Drew Locker hanging out. See, everybody's hanging out with their wide receivers right now. All the quarterbacks, they called everybody and said, hey, baby, what are you doing? Come on over. Let's go throw the ball around. You know, just like you're bored, you're out there playing catch with your son every day. A lot of these guys are bored. They're looking to go out there and get a jump on everything, and I think this is very good. Um, look, there's a there's a new offensive coordinator there, and Pat Shermer. There's a lot of things here to look forward to, and that I think that this offense. You made a great point earlier in the show uh, this week about how that offense, you know, waits till tick 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 one second and then run a play. I don't think that's going to be the Denver Broncos this year. The Denver Broncos have added a lot more pieces. And again, I don't think this is like, oh my God, the greatest offense ever, but we're talking about looking for value and we're looking for value. I think the Denver offense is going to give you a fair amount. You're looking at Melvin Gordon, who used to be a consensus first round pick. Now he's going around the fourth round. You're looking at Cortland Sutton, who people still don't want to buy into for some reason. He's probably still going to have a shot at, you know, 900 yards or 800 yards and probably at least half a dozen touchdowns. That's a good value. And Jerry Judy, another guy, enormous talent. And the one thing that I keep, trying to drive home for folks is Jerry Judy's presence alone on that field is good for Cortland Sutton because it keeps everybody honest defensively because Jerry Judy is not a joke. Like that is a guy you have to account for. And I think Drew Locke also recognizes that he is in a position, Craig, where you've been given all these weapons. The expectation now is you're not learning. You have to win games and succeed. And I think there's always that moment where same thing with Josh Allen. It's like, okay, 
we, we gave you, we let you get your feet wet. Now we have expectations. And I think the expectations are on Drew Locke. And I'm curious with the weapons they've given him. Do you feel like he is ready to take a step forward? Granted, there might be a ceiling on him. Yeah, I think a step forward is reasonable. But, you know, again, uh, I I, I am the first one to tell you that the NFL is year to year. uh, And and you can't look at the the year before and think it's any indication as to what could happen the following year. I do. I, I just saw so much of the way they ran that offense last year with Flacco, and I totally get it. It was because it was Flacco. It's the kind of team where you're going to know right away when the season starts. That's that's the only prediction I can give you on the Denver Broncos. If you watch game one of next year and it looks a lot like the year before, I don't think magically all of a sudden in game two or three that that is going to change. Locke played the last month of last season. He's going to get to play in training camp, a little bit of the preseason. If they're running the ball 15 times with Gordon, 15 times with Lindsey, and Locke is throwing 21 passes in a game, it is not going to be a great fantasy season for any of those receivers or Locke. Yeah, well, that's fair. And also... It'll be good, of, though. It'll be good, though, but not I think great. it will be improved. And also, last note here, Daniel Jones has been working. He's actually picked Tony Romo's brain, who had a lot of problems with uh, fumbling early in his career. Uh, he's bulked up. He's worked out. He's doing a lot of specific drills to hold on to the football because he led the league in fumbles, lost last year. Not a good look. Granted, some of that you can hang on the offensive line, but the offensive line's improved, and it's nice to see Daniel Jones addressing some of the issues he's had last year. So I like these notes of these young quarterbacks who are working to improve and not kind of just sitting back and going, yeah, everything's going to be fine. We're just going to figure out in camp. No, let's get a jump on some of the deficits from the previous season. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, Jones has a chance also to take a next step and he has a lot of, uh, a lot of weapons, weapons uh, on offense for sure. No, and probably more honestly than Denver does, especially running back. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Matt Sells joins us next big race at Homestead Miami Speedway on the NASCAR circuit coming up. We'll preview that when Fantasy Sports Today comes back in just two minutes. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. For those of you who play DFS, NASCAR, or interested in getting down a little money over at the FanDuel Sportsbook, make sure you stay tuned because Matt Sells joins us every single week to break down what is happening, of course, on the on the, uh, on the the racetrack. And he joins us now to preview this weekend's race in my hometown, in the back of my uh, backyard here at uh, Homestead Miami Speedway. Matt, thanks for coming on the show. What's going on? Sure thing. Uh, it's a pretty good, been a pretty good week so far for NASCAR, um, you know socially and also on the track it's two pretty good races so far and uh they had a pretty big pretty big day there on uh wednesday in martinsville not only with a great race got 104 percent more ratings than the race in that previous spot last year um and then obviously the uh the news i'm sure you've seen that they uh banned the confederate flag from any nascar races so that's i did that's uh somebody was taking pot shots at uh, the NFL on Twitter last night, I saw that uh, who would have thought that NASCAR would ban the Confederate flag and allow a Black Lives Matter car on track before Colin Kaepernick got back onto an NFL roster. Yeah. Um, so it's been a pretty pretty momentous week here for NASCAR. No, it, it certainly has. And I think that this is a great statement by NASCAR, too, for those people who don't follow it all that much. And understandably so, if you live in the Northeast. Uh, I mean, NASCAR is the sport of the South. I mean, it's college football and it's NASCAR. Uh, You know, I lived in Gainesville, Florida for four years. I can tell you that drag racing, NASCAR racing, um, I mean, even IndyCar racing are just super popular. And for them to make that sort of statement went a long way. Was there a driver that said that he wouldn't race or something like that without the flag there? Did I see that? Uh, so Bubba Wallace, who happens to be the only African-American, or I guess now, according to Emmanuel Acho, they want us to call them black. Uh, he's the only black driver in the NASCAR Cup Series. He went on CNN, I believe it was Monday, uh, and talked about his stance on stuff and basically said how it's uncomfortable for him to race um, when there's Confederate flags in the stands and in the campgrounds because it's just, you know, all of the history attached to that flag. 
and so apparently NASCAR took a listening to it, and two days later came out with their policy that they banned the flag. So, um, mm-hmm. And to their credit, a lot of the drivers have stood by Bubba Wallace and said, you know, that's a perfectly reasonable take. We shouldn't make anybody feel uncomfortable at these races. It's, you know, for everyone to come to, uh, regardless of, you know, gender or race or creed or whatever. So uh, it was pretty it was pretty cool to see NASCAR act so swiftly uh, when one of their drivers spoke up about something. Yeah, for sure. And uh, of course, uh, we've got some big things going on this weekend. Um, the Xfinity Series continues in South Florida at Homestead Miami Speedway. Let's get into this race here a little bit, Matt. Uh, what do you see happening this weekend? And sort of uh, give us a little bit of a preview and set up. Uh, so, yeah, there's four races happening at Homestead Miami Speedway this weekend. You've got a truck series race truck on Saturday. Truck series is today, right. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was truck- Friday, no? Is it on Friday? Yeah, uh, It might be on Friday, yeah. You're, you're oh, no, 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 wait, wait, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Um, They've switched the schedule around a couple okay. of times here this okay. weekend, so I believe it's Saturday, I think there's a Saturday okay. doubleheader between the Xfinity and the Truck Series, then Xfinity is back on track on Sunday for a second separate race, and then there's a Cup Series race on Sunday as well. So, quite a lot of racing happening down there in South Florida, um, this was the track that was supposed to hold the second race after the shutdown happened earlier this season. So they're getting back around to it. Um, I know Dale Earnhardt Jr. is making his lone Xfinity appearance this season down at uh, Homestead Miami on Saturday. And uh, it's also momentous because on Sunday for the Cup Series race, they're going to have a thousand fans in the stands. Right. Uh, it'll be the first sporting event with fans allowed back, I believe. I don't know if the PGA has allowed fans back yet or not. I'm not sure on that. Um, I think so it's I think, like uh, just military people and families, yes, something like that. Yeah. Right. So the city owns the speedway. So all of the fans that'll be in the stands are invited guests of the city, which I believe are all coming from. There's like an air base down there uh, mm-hmm. and yeah. an army base and a navy. You know, so they're all military folks. Uh, and then it'll step up next weekend at uh, Talladega. There'll be 5,000 fans in the stands. So we're inching closer to uh, fans being back at live sporting events. So that's that's pretty cool. But, yeah, there's there's quite a lot of racing to get uh, to get your teeth into this weekend. For sure. All right. So um, let, let's talk about uh, Sunday and uh, and who you like. It's been, you know, more or less the same. It's like just trying to figure out if Kevin Harvick is going to win or not. That's more or less what this uh, this reboot of the nascar season has been thus far uh who do you like on sunday i know you crushed it the other night with the uh with the wednesday night race yeah so uh on wednesday night i did a team stack of team penske drivers which is brad keselowski joey logano and ryan blaney they all finished second third and fourth the other guy i added into that stack was martin Truex jr who won the race so yeah it was a pretty good it was a pretty good lineup there for dfs and um those same guys are back in play on Sunday, um, with the exception of Ryan Blaney. All three of them have won championships at this track. Uh, if you're not familiar, typically speaking up through last year, Homestead Miami held the championship race, which would be run like the second or third weekend in November. And then this year they decided to switch the championship race around, so they were going to run Miami in March. So it's obviously considerably hotter down there, uh, as you can attest to there, Craig. Yes, I can. Right? Uh, <laughs> at this time of year than it would be in March. I mean, it's uh, hotter now than it normally is in June. So yeah, I get it. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty toasty. Um, it's a beat-up old track, so the track surface is pretty worn down. It's going to be another high tire wear race. This is about the fourth one we've had since coming back. So that favors guys, like you mentioned, Kevin Harvick usually does well at these types of uh, tracks. Martin Truex Jr.'s in play again. Kyle Busch has been very good here and, in fact, won the championship uh, last year at this track. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of going to be the elite guys are going to rise to the top again. That's kind of what this track draws out. Um, but you can still find uh, the the typical cheaper guys for DFS that will move up and have good runs here too. Cause there's, there's quite a few of those. Yeah. And, and so who would you predict, uh, who, who would kind of be your guy on, on Sunday? Who do you got? Who do I think is going to win on Sunday? Um, or, or DFS, whatever you feel like throwing out there, throw, throw something out there for people watching. It's going to be pretty hard not to go with Martin Truex jr. Um, he's done very well the last few races. He obviously won on Wednesday. He also has had top five, runs of late 
Um, the trick for him is going to be the, his pit crew. He needs a solid day from his pit crew. His pit crew has made unforced errors uh, the last several races, which have kind of slowed him down a little bit. Um, in fact, he was on pace to win the uh, championship. He was out front last year late in the race at Miami until the second to last pit stop. His team flipped the side of the car, the side of the car the tires went on, which seems like it'd be pretty hard to do, but they somehow managed to do it. So they put the wrong tires on the wrong side of the car and that that really slows you down so barring a pit issue i'm gonna have to go with martin Truex jr here on sunday uh okay. to, to win the to win the race and and when is the next race after homestead the next race is father's day weekend it's sunday at talladega um i thought that was the father's day is not this weekend i thought it was this weekend no no, Father's Day is the twenty-first of June. I am. My schedule is so off, Matt. It just shows you every day. So no better, no better way to spend Father's Day than to watch a wreck fest at Talladega on in the middle of the I'll afternoon and watch a whole bunch of a whole bunch of cars taking each other out. All right, we'll look forward to that. Uh, before you go here, I, I know that you're uh, you know a big uh, baseball fan. Maybe that's probably your favorite. It's we yes. bring you on to talk NASCAR so often, but really baseball is your favorite. But uh, look, you were writer of the year for NASCAR. You're doing something right. I got to bring you on for that, but. Uh, look, first round uh, is in the books. I know that you do a lot of the write-ups there for the prospects and sort of project where they could end up being in the system. I would love your opinion on what you thought of the first round in Major League Baseball's June draft. So I thought um, coming into it, I thought that there was going to be like a given top three or top four that's like same names have been circulated around in the same order for the last month or so. Um but that didn't seem to go to plan. The Orioles no. kind of took it off book. <laughs> yeah. But the second, I mean, the first pick, Spencer, Spencer Torkelson was basically guaranteed to be the first pick. Right. Like, as soon as last year's draft ended, basically. Pretty much. Um, and he's a big slugging third baseman from Arizona State. He went to the Tigers. They desperately need a third baseman, so that made sense. And then the Orioles decided to take a power-hitting outfielder that people didn't expect to be at number two. Um in what Heston Kirkstad, I think is his yeah, name. Gotta save that um, money, Matt. You know, it's all about the dough. Yeah, so I mean, but it kind of makes sense because the guy they expected to go number two is Austin Martin, uh, shortstop out of Vanderbilt. Uh, but the Orioles are pretty good at middle infield prospects right now. They don't really have that depth of outfield prospect, and they definitely don't have a power bat like Kirkstad has. So uh, that was nice to see. And then uh, your hometown Marlins, I like their pick too, the pitcher out of Minnesota. Um, I think he could be a swing guy if they want to move him faster through the system. He could definitely be a reliever, closer type. I mean, he has experience in that in college. Um, but he does have the stuff to be a starter, at least a mid-rotation guy. So uh, kind of interesting to see what they'll do there. The most intriguing pick of the first round, though, has to be Zach Veen going to the Rockies. I mean, that guy's got obscene amounts of power, and now you're going to put him in Coors Field. It's insane. We'll have to wait a couple of years, but, I mean, that could be of yeah. all of the dynasty picks. Look, I, uh, Torkelson is the number one dynasty pick. Let's right. not be stupid. But after that, you're right. I think that's. I think Zach Veen is the guy if you're in a dynasty league where maybe you're not comp- competing this year or next. You're sort of yeah. building for the future. Because he's got, he's got just comic amount of power. He, he does. He does. It's high school, though. It's like it's so hard in a dynasty league to dive into that. But um, yeah, look, that's 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 definitely always the case. Well, look, hopefully, Matt, uh, we'll be able to talk some baseball with you as well as some NASCAR. And of course, check out Matt Sells at the Selsman on Twitter. Head on over to FantasyAlarm.com, where, as I mentioned, uh, Matt won the NASCAR Writer of the Year last year. And the reason why is because he's just crushing it in DFS. And certainly the DFS information can help you from a sports wagering perspective as well. Those of you who are on FanDuel, make sure you check him out. Check out all the content that Matt has going on and can help you make some money this weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway. Looking forward to catching it here in South Florida on television, which is the way that uh, most of our lives are are basically playing out. Uh, have a great weekend, Matt. Thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. We'll, chat, we'll uh, chat and catch up next week, okay? Sounds good. You have a good weekend too, Craig. All right, uh, we'll take a brief time out on Fantasy Sports today. And coming up very shortly, we'll check in with our good friend Gray Albright from Razball.com. Gray, where in the world is Gray? He's moved from Los Angeles to another location in California. Does that mean the baseball season is coming back any sooner? Does that mean Gray Albright all of a sudden 
is now going to participate in fantasy baseball this year or a little bit more than what he's saying. You're going to have to find out because that's coming up in a little bit. Don't forget, you can catch all of our content on this show on demand. This is the second hour of our show. If you're watching on YouTube, what are you doing? Head on over after the show's over to our YouTube channel over at Sports Grid. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show. Turn your notifications to on with that little bell. And then every day, as soon as the show is over, we get it posted for you. You can watch all the interviews that I do, that Joe does, and all of the content that we have here on all of our shows, 24 hours a day, seven days a week here on your favorite channel, which, of course, is Sports Grid. We're back with more fantasy sports today in just two minutes after this quick timeout. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As always, it's a Friday here on Fantasy Sports Today. We check in with our good buddy Gray Albright from Razball and Razball.com. We have this great running gag going on here on the show that at some Friday, at some point, Gray and I will get right back into that fantasy baseball season that we would hope to have and discuss. But here we are. It's another week. And uh, we're in the same spot. But it is always great to catch up with Gray, talk about what's going on in his world. And as you can see, Gray... Is, uh, is no longer in Los Angeles. He's moved uh, a little further south, it looks like here, if I'm not mistaken. What's going on, Greg? Uh, southeast, maybe? I'm in Palm Springs. What's going on, Craig? It's good to talk to you. I, uh, yeah, I got I got away for a uh, couple weeks. I, uh, I went out to uh, Palm Springs just to, you know, Relax a little bit, um, try and uh, chill while I, uh, you know, I, I, I'm doing a little less of nothing as opposed right. to really nothing. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, good. Listen, good. we all need to do whatever it is that makes us happy right now. So, uh, you know, people say they're doing the wackiest things. I could care less. If it keeps you sane and keeps you happy, then that's uh, certainly great. Uh, before we get to the uh, baseball season, which I think that we both probably at this point know is coming and it's just a matter of, of games at this point. But uh, before we get to that, um, are, are, what do you guys do over at Razzball for the for the draft for that first round? Um, you know, I mean, I mean, those are really the primary guys that I think we would focus on for fantasy. I mean, wh- where are you at with that? Do you get into it? Do you care? Do you pay attention? Yeah, no, I mean, for the most part, honestly, I don't pay attention all that much because I uh, focus mostly on redraft leagues. Uh, sure. I have, we have prospect guys, though, in, uh, you know, at our site who do follow it and do, you know, they write up, uh, you know, yesterday we had a couple mock drafts that we did where uh, some people were, uh, you know, basically it was, I think one guy, one of our prospect writers wrote up uh, Spencer Torkelson as the first pick, and that was, I think, the only one that he got right. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody got the second pick right. So no yeah, yeah, I think, and then once, it's like a house of cards, because then once you have, you know, the second pick goes sideways at that point, then it's like, well, then all my other picks are going to be wrong, because... Right. The yeah. Orioles did something that I don't think anyone expected with uh, Hester and Kiedrstad. Is that it? Uh, good enough to me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It sounds actually, it, it sounds kind of a, a Rubian. Um, anyway, uh, or I guess Dutch. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, they did the uh, mock draft and... Uh, yeah, I mean, they really liked uh, Max Meyer, who went third to the Marlins. They were uh, comparing him to an early Lincecum. I don't know. What what were your thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, I knew they liked him a lot, but I didn't think that he was going to be the pick until, obviously, three minutes before when I was told and then put it out there. But, you know, I, I thought they were going to take a different guy, but uh, I, I basically was told uh, uh, in the morning after the draft, like, like we told you that that's who we were going to take for months. I'm like, not really. Like, I'm not really. Like, I, I, I didn't, I didn't get that feeling. I'm sorry that you did. I mean, I knew they liked him a lot and people asked me and they're like, who do you think they're going to take? I'm like, they're going to take Lacey. If they don't, they'll take this guy Meyer, but I don't think so. I think they're going to take Lacey. So, Hey, look, 
Um, the prospect guy shouldn't feel bad. We were all uh, beautifully wrong on this thing for sure. Uh, the other, the other, uh, it was all, it was definitely always going to be a pitcher for the Marlins. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, yeah, no, I. I mean, it's interesting, like, it just in, uh, you know, general terms, like, if you look back at old drafts, there's so many oh, misses yeah. that it's like, that's why I'm kind of like, like, I wait until guys get a couple, you know, a, a couple licks in the minor leagues before I really start, you know, you paying to. attention, because, I mean, so many of these guys, like, they say Torkelson is a can't-miss prospect, which I'm sure he's... I mean, he looks great. Don't get me wrong, but there's been a lot of can't miss prospects. Usually, they don't go number one and fail. But I mean, I I can think of at least a half dozen of guys course. like completely can't miss, and you're like, whatever happened to that guy? I mean, now listen. I mean, there were a lot uh, for a long period of time, and then you want to talk about recently. If we were doing this three years ago, we would have been said, "Wow, Philly's got Mickey Moniak. It's going to be great, and there he's going to be a star." And listen, he still may very well be, but to this point, doesn't look like it. You know, I mean, that's you know, we don't even talk about this guy at all. But that's a, that's a fair point too. Yeah. Um, so, so I, so I, I think at this point, we're we're gonna have a, a real baseball season, and I use I should probably use the air quotes in real because <laughs> there there seems to be a lot of disappointment that the uh, the owners are, are essentially going to force the players to play 50 games. I don't think it's going to come down to that as as we've talked about. I think that they're going to meet somewhere halfway on the owner side, you know? Like I don't think it's going to be 80 and I don't think it's going to be 75, but right. I do think it'll be more than 50. And so uh, at some point we can get down and dirty with fantasy baseball at that point, but I I still have to say that they they let this go so long, and I understand why the owners did it because the longer it went, they you know basically cornered the players. I mean that's that's what they did, but it is a little it is a little bit of it's going to be fun, but it's going to be a little anticlimactic to only have sixty games during a season or sixty five. I gotta say that's it's disappointing. Yeah, no, I think it's it's. I mean, I don't even know if it's really going to be considered a real baseball season with only like sixty five games. I mean. I can't imagine anyone taking any of the uh, stats or the like division titles or even the championships seriously. Like a couple teams are just going to be completely out of nowhere and have like a good month of August and be yeah. in the running for like a division title. You know, like I was kidding around on Razball saying like, you know, the uh, 23 and uh, 23 and 25 Tigers are going to go up to uh, they're going to be the uh, division winners and you know I mean I was joking but it could like it could totally be some Absolutely. random team that just comes out of nowhere and does well because I mean baseball the uh you know really the uh, the the great part about baseball is it's such a it's a marathon versus a sprint so it's really about how well teams do over the long haul versus, you know, how well they do over a three week span this year. That's all out the window. I mean, there could be, you know, it's like, do you really consider Cody Bellinger a triple crown winner? If he hits 17 homers, gets 50 RBIs and hits 400. It's like, no. people, yeah. it's like ludicrous. I mean, there's going to be, I, I don't, I, I don't think so. I think that they're, that this season is an entertainment season. I, I don't think that even baseball. I think, base, I, I think on the back of the baseball card is going to have the numbers, but I, I beyond that, um, you know, they'll, they'll award the winners and this would, this guy led the league in hitting and this guy had the best ERA and this guy had the best strikeouts and they'll give maybe an MVP and a Cy Young and all of those things. But you know, I, I think that's a, that's a slippery slope. There's no reason for it. I, I think everyone understands that. I would tell you though, that and it's not going to happen. It's done because it just took too long. But if they could have gotten like a hundred games in, I would have felt a lot better about this. You know, like I would have felt like, all right, you know, it's not that far off, right? Uh, not that, not that unreasonable. But I mean, once once you get below eighty, and you go far below eighty, at that point you have to look at it and just say they're doing this and it's entertaining and we like it and, and it'll be fun to see. But any kind of big financial stake in any fantasy league is probably a mistake. Or, I mean, or if you feel like throwing darts, like, go do it. Because that's right, basically exactly. Yeah, no, I think it's like, it's like a, a, a sport that is popular down in uh, Florida. It'll become like a highlight. 
situation where <laughs> right. you know, like you're like, I don't know who's gonna win. Like it's all ridiculous. I mean, yeah, nobody knows. I, I'm actually, you know, you might have better insight on this than me. I'm surprised that they're even saying like 65 games because if they were to start, say at worst, they start mid-July and right. maybe I'm being optimistic by saying mid-July, but say mid-July and they go through end of September, why only 65 games? There's it's like, very true. Yeah, no, well, why? Because the owners do not want to pay the full prorated salary of the players. It's not happening, Greg. So, so is there going to be a lot of days where it's like three or four games per day? Like, no, no, I, no, no like, they'll, well, I mean, listen, they got to have days off too, man. Like, they're not going to, they're not going to play every single day. Like, every team will no. still have one day off during the week. What am I missing? Am I missing something? No, I know. Exactly. No, I know. I think they will have days off, but I still think that. I don't know. I haven't done the math, but I feel well, like 30 in August, 30 in September is, is 60. And then another 15 yeah. days is 75. Right. And if they each have 10 days off, that's, that's pretty yeah. much where they're at. Look, I'm with you. Yeah. I want the most amount of games, but the, but it is not going to happen. The owners are not going to uh, pay the players uh, a full-time salary without the fans in the stands. I think if they knew fans were able to go, then this would be a moot point and we'd be doing 82 and it'd be over. But I think they're looking for any number to squeeze out less than 82. The players are trying to squeeze out anything more than 50. And then, uh, you know, I, and, and it's going to be more than 50. But again, at this point, because they've waited so long, it definitely becomes, you know, pretty difficult. So I, I guess we'll see. I guess, I guess, again, we'll come back here next week and <laughs> we'll, have a, we'll have a season. And we'll, and we'll be able to talk about it. Well, we saying the, uh, they were saying Manfred was saying that at, uh, I, I think this is what I heard, that he was saying that at a certain point he's just going to say, okay, the season's starting this day and we're going back to work. Yeah. And that's what yeah. it's going to be. But I heard that and I was like, they still have to agree to play during right. coronavirus. <laughs> Right. I mean, yeah. Oh, no, they Oh, he can say, here's the schedule and this is what we're doing. And all the players could say no. And that's the end. That, that's the way. I mean, that's very I mean, in fact, that's that probably is the scenario with a 48 game season that would play out. Mm hmm. Yeah. That's probably I mean, what would happen. Yeah. So ludicrous that they're even talking about a 48, uh, a 48 game season. I mean, that is like that's not baseball. I mean, usually you get to like uh, mid-August and you go to end of September at 48 games, like you're looking at basically no movement at all in the standings. Like that's basically when the die, yes. has, the die has been cast by that point. It's like, okay. Well, like, well, well you know, as, as analysts out there, like we play fantasy and, and listen, I'm a reality guy too, cause I cover the game, but the reality guys all say the same thing. Throw out April. Throw out September. Here they're telling you it's all about April. It's all about September. That's all we got. We got the first two months. Right. I mean, it's it's all what happens at the very beginning and the very end because they're all they're all lumped together. Look, we'll take it. It's better than nothing. Mm. And that's that's sort of you know where we're at. Hopefully, hopefully next Friday we're back here because that's because I think that the news is it's got to be. I thought it would be over by the draft and I was wrong there. But uh, hopefully by next Friday. Great. Listen, stay safe. Enjoy uh, Palm Springs. Thanks, always, as always, for coming on the show. We'll catch up with you again next Friday. Enjoy your weekend, okay? Thank you. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Fantasy Sports Today. Thanks to everybody who came on the show today. Jimmy Spence, Matt Sells, Gray Albright, of course, uh, my co-host Joe Pizzapia. That'll do it for this edition of the show. We're back on Saturday and Sunday for Fantasy Sports Today, the weekend edition. So stay tuned to that. Thanks to Brett, Ryan, and Danny for producing our show today and for producing all week long. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Have a great Father's Day as well. And we will talk to you again on Monday right here on SportsGrid on Fantasy Sports Today. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.